Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. An Erio's original. And welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite mysteries. Each week, we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. I am Ali Siegel. I am Melissa Stettin. And I'm producer Maria. Melissa, who are our patrons for today? Well, we've got Hannah, Jennifer, Felix, and Kira. Hey guys, welcome to the team. Melissa, what are we talking about today? Today's a doozy. I'm excited. We're going to talk about the largest kidnapping ever in the United States. Oh my God. You've probably... Kitty, what do you want? (laughs) She's scared. She's like, what? I think there's something going on in the air today. I'm telling you, here's my prediction. Something's going to happen today. Oh no. Wow, really narrowing it down. (laughs) Something's going to happen today. Like the mailman's going to deliver yeah, mail to my house. going to happen today, guys. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. So this largest kidnapping ever. You've probably never heard about this. The best thing is that that quote of mine is evergreen. It doesn't matter the day, the time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Something's going to happen. Something's Nostradamus. Happen Nostradamus over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is the Chowchilla School bus kidnapping. Oh, no. Let's get into it. Yes, let's. An article that I read a few months ago by Caleb Horton. It was on Vox. And it's fantastic. It, like paints a picture of this like town it's in the middle of california it's like a small town 
This happened back in the 70s. It's really, really great. It's kind of a long read, but it's like, it's it's pretty amazing. So this happened in July 1976 in the small town of Chowchilla, which is in the Central Valley of California. The population is like 20,000. Oh, it's very yikes. small. And if you go on the Chowchilla website, there's a section called Interesting Facts. And the interesting facts about Chowchilla is the first custom grain elevator in California was built in Chowchilla in 1916. Wow. But then it burned down. Can't wait to talk about that as a fun fact when I'm at a party. Did you know? <laughs> yeah. The first grain elevator, huh? <laughs> uh, thousands of acres of rice was planted in the early 1920s, but because of the submarginal land, rice never became a successful crop in the area. Ah, oh, bummer. Yeah. Interesting. The Chowchilla Arch was built in 1913, but it burned to the ground in 1937. No one knows how it burned down, but there are rumors of an electrical fire or vagrants lighting fires under the arches to keep warm. That's the exciting, interesting thing. Those are the fun facts of Chowchilla. (laughs) That's it. I'm looking at some pictures. This looks like a real small town that has a lot of parades. Like, I bet they have a banging Fourth of July parade. You know... That's funny you say that. Oh, no. Because this story includes a parade at the end. Okay, Nostradamus, let's get cracking. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And the website also has a page devoted to the Chowchilla bus kidnapping. It says, a nation comes to a standstill. Although July 15th, 1976 is a day that the community of Chowchilla would like to forget forever, it is a piece of Chowchilla's history. It was a crime that transfixed the nation and affected many people in our quiet farming community. Jeez. Okay. So, 1976. Jimmy Carter's about to become president. The word meme was first used by Richard Dawkins in his what? 1976 book, The Selfish Gene. Wow. Yeah. Really? The word, I was looking up things from 1976, and this was one of the things. Wow. It was described as an attempt to explain the way cultural information spreads. I had no idea. I thought That's that was from like 2013. I thought that yeah, was like... Too. I know. Huh. Crazy. Fascinating fact. Yes. Uh, also 1976, <laughs> Nadia Comaneci gets the first ever perfect score in gymnastics. Wow. Apple is formed. Mm-hmm. And it's one year before the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders, which we talked about a few weeks ago. Yikes. What a year. Crazy time. So in Chowchilla, it's about 150 miles southeast from San Francisco. It's a July afternoon in the Central <gasps> Valley, so it's July. hot as hell. Hot July. as hell. Fourth hot of July. There's going to be a parade, yes. and I can't wait. Is is there going to be a parade, <laughs> Melissa, please? There's a parade. There's a, it's, all, it's, it's towards the end. It's towards okay, the end. Okay, okay, okay. There's a parade. <laughs> 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 so i didn't know you guys love parades so much yeah, okay. I, is there a funnel cake <laughs> the, there's gotta be there's gotta be uh okay so a bus driver by the name of ed ray is picking up kids from summer school he's a 55 year old rancher married to a bank teller named odessa mm. he's very humble he doesn't talk much he keeps himself he grew up in a nearby town called merced again which yeah Merced River is what we talked about in the Mariposa family episode. This is yeah, all very, and my grandma's, the same area. Yeah, my grandma's from Merced. This is the yeah. same the same area as that family-ish. Your grandma and Ed Ray. Yes. 
Uh, he's lived in Merced, or he's lived in Chowchilla most of his life. His family, like a lot of the others in the area, joined the agricultural migration that sent millions from the South and Midwest to the Central Valley seeking farm work around the 1930s because of the Dust Bowl. Mm. You know, about the Dust Bowl. Uh, Ed had almost no yes. education. He could barely <laughs> read or write. <laughs> yes, Dust Bowl, yes. <laughs> he was constantly working. And when people asked him why he worked so much, he'd say, the hard jobs are my hobby. Oh, he sounds like a nice guy. Yeah. So Ed's driving this bus full of kids home from summer school. He turns onto Avenue 21. He sees a white 71 Dodge van blocking the road with its door open. Oh, God. Mm. Those are like the old, scary, big white vans. I was going to say, has anything good ever happened in a white van? Maria's really thinking. Food delivery. Yeah, no, food delivery. Like a bakery. Yeah. Balloon delivery. Okay. Any sort of party delivery service. Maybe flowers. That's true. Yeah. Party deliveries. Party deliveries. Okay. All right. But that's it. (laughs) Touche. Touche. So Ed tries to just drive around this this van, but then a guy in overalls and pantyhose covering his face jumps out in front of the bus with a revolver. Okay, that's a that's an old timey. Hey, that's an old timey get up. Yeah, with pantyhose on the face. (laughs) This is a robbery. So he walks to the driver's side window and asks Ed, "Would you open the door, please?" So Ed opens it. Oh, that's polite. He's like, okay, I don't want to cause any trouble. This guy has a gun. Then two more dudes jump in the bus. <gasps> One has a gun pointed at Ed. Oh, my God. So everybody goes to the back of the bus. One dude stays on the bus and starts to drive. Jesus. And then the one with the revolver hops in the white van and follows the bus. Oh. So they drive about a mile, and they park the bus behind some bamboo. Hmm. And then 12 kids are ushered into the white van. Oh, God. And then Ed and the other 14 kids get into the back of a second van. This one's green. So they're both in, like, they split them up. Wait, 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 Yes. Remember those three women who were killed um, and they in were taken in a, in a green van? Are you talking about Sherry Papini? No. It was like that woman and her, the woman and her two daughters or something. And they were talking about the Springfield three. Were those three boys though? No, you're thinking of the West Memphis three. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I, maybe I'm thinking of the the Springfield three. They don't know how those women just disappeared. But weren't they taken? Oh, there was a green van. Where were they? Where were they? What area? Where were they? Where's Springfield, Missouri? Oh, Yes, there was a green van that was suspect. Okay, good okay, remem- okay. Good, good, good remembering. Good remembering. Good memory. <laughs> good memory. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, those kids are split up amongst two vans. There's a partition behind the driver's seat, and the windows are sealed. So it's, like, hot as hell in there. Oh. And it's pitch black. Oh, God. And then some of the kids sing songs to cheer up. Like, Aww. if you're happy and you know it. And also boogie fever. Oh my god, that makes like like Make literally, I'm tearing up. Like that makes me so sad. A bunch of these kids kidnapped and in a and in a bus and or in a van in the pitch yeah, black, being like, "Should we sing to try to make this if better?" You're happy, oh you know. god. Um, of course, it didn't take long for the parents to realize that something was up. So the police were called 15 minutes after their kids weren't dropped dropped off from school. They're like, "What the hell? Like this something crazy is happening." 
And it was already on the news. People were driving all over the county looking for the bus and for the kids and for Ed. By 6.30 p.m., the sheriff's office has an airplane searching. A couple hours later, the bus is found by a police sergeant, but it's empty. And they oh have no clues to go off of. It's I was just, just going to... Sorry, I was just going to say something, but it's a compliment to you, Melissa. Uh, yes. When they said, you know, people are driving around trying to find this bus. And I was like, it's so weird when they give Amber alerts. Like, are, pe- are we supposed to just go look for the people or something? But Melissa, you once did that. Melissa got an Amber alert for a kid missing in her neighborhood and actually went out at night and tried to look for the kid. The whole neighborhood was out looking. His name was Menachem. And like the whole neighborhood was searching. Turns out he was inside his house in the closet under a pile of clothes. Balloon Balloon Boy Boy Part 2. Yeah, Balloon Boy shit. Balloon Boy Part (laughs) 2. That's some Balloon Boy shit. I will say the Amber Alert is, you know, because if you're, everyone gets it, so you could be driving, look down, and it could say a license plate number, and then you're just there, and you go, oh, I'm behind that car. And my God, can you imagine the rush you'd get if you were like, holy shit, I'm behind that that car right now. crazy. Yes, have you ever seen that Halle Berry movie where she plays a 911 operator and she no. oh no. my god it is so is good it it's so that good? kind of tension it's that kind <gasps> of tension i want to see that so that she, sounds right up my alley she gets a call from someone who's like in the back of a trunk or something like that and then she goes out to find it it is so good the Ooh. call is that what it's called abigail breslin holly berry yeah it's great it's okay. no white oleander, but no. <laughs> you're probably right. You're probably right about that. Okay, so they found the bus. So the parents all gathered that night to hold a vigil, and the FBI comes to town along with TV news reporters and the media. It's like a huge deal. Mm. Meanwhile, Ed and these kids are driven around for eleven hours in this hot, dark van. And then they arrive 100 miles away in Livermore at 3.30 a.m. Oh, God. So two guys open the van doors. Ed's the first to come out. They make him take off his pants and boots. He's handed a flashlight and told to climb down a ladder into this hole in the ground. Oh, God. What? And then they send all 26 kids down this, like, hole. My God. And then there's two hoses coming down for air. Oh, there's a few mattresses, some bread, peanut butter chips and jugs of water, some holes carved for toilets. There's a steel plate placed on top of the entrance hole and it's weighed down by 200 pounds of tractor batteries. Oh, Jesus Christ. And they realize they're inside of a van that's buried underneath the ground. What? Oh, my God. It's a van on in the ground, and there's a ladder going down. This is insane. Yeah, crazy. With like a steel plate on top, 200 pounds. So they're stuck in there, but there's there's a- oxygen coming in. I can hardly plant a cactus. How do you plant an entire van? That's a lot of digging. Yeah. That's a lot of digging. So then uh, Madeira County Sheriff Ed Bates was assigned to the case. Mm. Okay, now let's talk about... A 24-year-old named Frederick Newhall Woods IV. His middle name comes from Henry Mayo Newhall, who struck it rich in 1850 by mining and building railroads. 
he formed the New Hall Land and Farming Company. By 1976, he his family was making $80 million a year in ranching oil and land, which is close to $370 million today. So it was Henry Newhall's land that became Santa Clarita and Valencia. So this family is rich as hell, the Newhalls. So Fred, the 24-year-old, the son, he lives at home with his parents on their 79-acre estate in Portola Valley, which is in the Bay Area. Fred's a loner. He's bad at school. He has no direction, but he has a trust fund worth $100 million. Jesus Christ. He's really into cars. He has over 50 at his parents' estate. Most of them are like shitty old cars not working. It's like a junkyard. He just collects cars. He carries pictures of them in his wallet. He's obsessed with cars. He carries pictures of his cars in his wallet? Yes. (laughs) He also loves shooting the windows out of the cars for fun. That is kind of fun. This just like millionaire kid living on his parents' land just shooting out the windows of his car. Sounds fun. (laughs) So Fred has a friend named uh, James Jim Schoenfeld. They run a quote-unquote business of buying, selling, and repairing cars. Hmm. And James's dad is a wealthy doctor. James has a brother named Rick. So these three dudes are always hanging out at Fred's house, Fred's parents' estate, just like hanging out with their cars, shooting out the windows. Oh, God. Fred also has a friend who's a film major in college. Fred's dream is that he will flip cars and use the proceeds to finance his friend's projects. They say they're going to be producers. Fred wrote his filmmaking friend a letter saying he has a great idea for a heist movie. After he watches Dirty Harry. Oh, no. So Fred, James, and Rick are all hanging out one day. Fred tells them about this heist movie idea. He's like, I have a really great idea. And that's when the idea for the Chowchilla bus kidnapping is born. Stop it. Yeah. So Fred thinks he's going to make a shit ton of money from doing this real kidnapping and demanding ransom money. He also thinks he's going to turn this into a kidnapping movie and make money from that. You can't do both. <laughs> you, you can't, can't do, do both. You can't do both. You can't do both. Um, and the Crazy. movies, the, do the movie. Do the movie, dude. Do like, the movie. Do the movie. So his logic is that people will pay anything for kidnapped children. That's how they're going to like crowdfund their movie (laughs) the movie based on this kidnapping oh my god but you're like why do these rich kids need even more money they all just wanted to buy fancier cars like ferraris like among the youth of portola valley cars were the primary indicator of coolness like this is one of the richest neighbors in california and like sure they had millions of dollars but they want they're like we need more we need ferraris we need bentley's we need all this money So James kept a notebook of how it was all going to go down. This is what it said. What an idiot. Rick and Fred will board the bus. Rick will disable the driver with chloroform, and Fred will drive the bus to the hidden location where Fred keeps an eye on the bus. Rick will escort the kids two by two to the vans where Jim is waiting. Watch for kids making a run for it. Count the kids. Conceal the kids. Hide the vans. Go somewhere else to collect the money. From there, Rick will get a plane to take James to a small, uncontrolled airport like Lodi. They'll meet Fred, who will hijack the plane. (laughs) Then, Rick and Fred load the dummies into the plane with parachutes. And an extra parachute, of course, 
Jim is taking possession of the money. Thus, a state-employed secretary will be appointed to bring the money in three brown paper parcels and instructed to... Dot, dot, dot. And that's it. They don't finish the sentence. This is their plan. Wow, cliffhanger. It doesn't make sense. No, nothing about that makes sense. And when It they, does not make sense. When they say dummies, they're going to have like... Du- like mannequins like they're gonna like mannequins in the plane with parachutes i don't understand i've tr- i've read this so many times i'm like wait what are they get themselves gonna jump out of a plane i don't know yeah, what is this i don't know so another section of the notebook details other general stuff that they had to remember uh to burn the book yeah. of course they forgot <laughs> to get infrared to see at night they didn't get that to get a vote for Reagan bumper sticker to quote unquote be anonymous. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Some other items they w- had to ask for used bills, don't spend money for seven years, get an x ray truck with gas masks and lead vests. The fuck's an x ray truck? Get an ex- I, I don't know. An x ray <laughs> truck? Pick up the money using an illusion like magic. All right. <laughs> sure <laughs> that's what it says okay it sounds confusing because it is because nothing makes sense it's not a plan it's just these random ideas but for some reason they decide to continue with this plan so fred james and rick buy three moving vans then they go to a quarry to bury one of the vans they decide that the five million dollar ransom will get delivered to a drop site in Santa Cruz in the Santa Cruz Mountains. So just somewhere in the mountains. Mm-hmm. They buy an X-ray machine in case the ransom money is bugged. Okay. And they make homemade bulletproof vests with scrap metal. Fred rents a trailer in Reno for a safe house and gets a passport under a fake name, Ralph Snyder. And then he buys a printing calculator to count his money. I guess it's those things you put money yeah. in that like counts. They're spending a out. lot of money on this. <laughs> and when they could be putting <laughs> yes. it toward the film, they're just trying to make. Yeah. These are not the brightest kids. Jeez. Oh my these, God. Are, these are idiots. Also, just like write the script and pitch it. Yeah. <laughs> to your filmmaker friend yeah. who he's sending this to. <laughs> Okay, so back to Ed and the kids. So the bus was found empty. People were concerned. Meanwhile, in Livermore, Ed Ray and his 26 passengers have been in the dark for 15 hours. Mm. They're all like half naked and sweating constantly, trying to sleep. They're crying. They're exhausted. And for the past five hours, two of the older boys, a 14-year-old named Mike Marshall and a 10-year-old named Robert Gonzalez, have been stacking up these mattresses with Ed and using all the energy they have left to remove the heavy metal plate that's locking them in and push away all these like heavy tractor bags. Smart. So another hour passes and they finally push it open enough to see the sky. <gasps> wow. Smart, smart, smart. It's 8 p.m. the next day and Ed helps all the kids out of the hole. Yes, King. They start walking down the street and an employee at one of the grain silos sees them pushes an alarm button thinking they're tres- trespassers but ed runs up and he says we're the ones from chowchilla oh my god and he's like ah okay and then i think i read the guy like gave him a coke gave the uh, gave everyone a coke because ed Aww. loves coke oh that's so yeah. sweet oh, nice. i have a question about the van under 
the surface. What do you mean they were like in the van under the ground? It was buried. There's a picture of it online. They just dug up a giant hole. They put the van down there. They probably like saw it off the top of the van. And they cut open the roof of the van. But then they still had to. So then how far down under were they where they had to stack mattresses? Well, the mattresses were in the van. And so I guess they climbed on the roof there. It was. Okay. I don't know how far down it was. It was enough to like maybe like 10 feet. I don't think it was that far down. Right. Why do you think Melissa's lying? No, I'm trying to picture it in my head. (laughs) And my head was, I was having a little bit of a a mental block. (laughs) Oh, yep. Okay. Okay. If you search Chowchilla kidnapping van, go to Google Images. You can okay. see what it, the inside of it looks like. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. So this was like um this was like a truck. Okay. So it was more like a tra- it was it was like a tra- a, tra- a truck trailer. Yeah. 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 It was Got yeah it. like a moving moving van truck. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they found blah blah blah. So the news spreads. Everyone was super happy. Ed and the children were taken to a place to get food and clothes, and then they hopped on a Greyhound bus and they returned to Chowchilla around four a.m. And Ed came out of the bus last. He didn't want to talk to reporters, but he begrudgingly did. Um, He said, we was ordered down into this van, buried in the rock. They gave us a flashlight. It was dark down there. All we had to eat was a couple bags of tater chips and Cheerios. They put a couple mattresses and box springs in there for us to sit on. We took the flashlight and shined it around. Me and a couple of the older kids figured the only way out was the way we came in, but we didn't have no ladder. We stacked up those mattresses and box springs to reach the hole. They put a piece of plywood over the hole. We tried to push it off. It was too heavy, but we could tell there was some dirt showing around the edges. Let's take a quick break for announcements. Webcrawlers has a Patreon to get access to rewards, bonus episodes, shoutouts, merch discounts, Bigfoot erotica, video versions of episodes. Please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. You can donate as little as $2 a month to become one of our bimbo patrons. Also, I think I might do some mini episodes where I interview some psychics I know as well as um the writers and creators of some great horror movies for example uh the night house i just watched it oh you got the link okay so i i need to email him back and set that up so great it was incredible i was so many plot twists uh really it was great it was yeah a really amazing movie i gotta see this i didn't i i'm i'm looking up up, it up now (laughs) yes it was really really great yeah, the reason why Melissa and I got the screener link is because I tweeted, can anyone pirate me a copy of The Night House? I really yeah, want to watch it can at I get, home. How do I watch this? Can I get a torrent? Someone just yeah, sent someone, it to me for free. And then someone responded back to me, uh, this lovely man, Ben Collins, who I've been friends with online on Twitter for a while, said hey, I can try to see if I can get you a screener link. And I was like, okay. And then I finally realized that he was the writer of- He wrote the, the movie. He wrote I the I felt movie. like a real wow. dunce. And was nice enough to give you a free copy. That's awesome. And then we found out that he used to, that he moved into an apartment after I moved out of an apartment that he lived in for five years. It's weird. That was also- a lot of weird- 
synchronicities. Yeah, that was also crazy. He and Melissa have lived in the same apartment and they emailed before like 10 years ago. Very, very weird. I moved out of this apartment in Silver Lake and I was I was handling the the rental for the guy. It was a guest house. And I guess he's the one who moved in and I was emailing with him. Maybe that's where you got the idea for the movie. Wow. The guest house. (laughs) Anyways, so if you want access to weird, cool stuff like that, join our Patreon. Also, we have a hotline. Insert jingle here. 626-604-6262. Please continue to call us. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We will read your reviews and follow you on Twitter and Instagram if you send us your names. (laughs) Handles. All right, back handles. to the handles. All right, I have said this part better and I maybe have never said it worse. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. All right, back to the program. So what happened to these kidnappers? Yeah. So on Friday night, when word started to spread that the children were missing, Richard Schoenfeld was back in Portola Valley 
at his friend Fred Wood's estate. He was nervous after they found out that the children had escaped. They were like, oh, no, what do we do now? So they all agreed it was time to scram. So did they want to kill 30 kids? Like, was no. that? No, they wanted to kidnap them, get ransom money. And oh, right, 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 right. Get them back. Okay. So they all agreed it was time to scrim. So a few packed duffel bags later, they made a rendezvous in the middle of the night. James and Fred were in one car. Rick was in the other. And they met at a nondescript and remote warehouse off I-28 where they stashed their vans. Mm. So James and Fred sped off into the night in this 1963 Chrysler toward the trailer in Reno that would serve as like a home base Mm. before they escaped to Canada but rick went home oh no he already knew he was like i gotta turn myself in he confessed to his dad who did what any rich dad would do he set him up with a lawyer oh boy so 50 state and local investigators began looking for the kidnappers searching up and down by the 22nd which is like five days after uh frederick newhall woods was officially a suspect i'd say so the undelivered ransom note was found they didn't even deliver this ransom note. Yeah, so those kids are just going to perish in there. They're what losers? Idiots. Yeah. Yeah. It was the ransom note had like a lot of words were crossed out with a pen. It was written in It like was just 30 a snowman seconds. that just said Mr. Police. Mr. Snowman. <laughs> hey, Mr. Police. <laughs> I gave you I all, gave the, you clues. all <laughs> the clues. <laughs> uh this note says your bus has been kidnapped. And your is spelled Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Dumb. It claims that they're members of some satanic cabal called Beelzebub, but it's spelled wrong. Uh. It mentions Fred by name. What? (laughs) (laughs) His name's on there. The vans were found soon after, along with about four thousand pieces of incredibly damning evidence. Four thousand. You have to be. You have to try to leave four thousand pieces 4, of evidence. Pieces of evidence. <laughs> That's like deliberate. That's crazy. These numbskulls. These numbskulls. A couple of jabronis. So then the judge Howard Green skipped a fishing trip to sign warrants and set the bail at a million dollars. He was taking into account the wealthy background of the suspects. Uh, The next day, Rick, who was just filled with guilt, he had spent his time as a fugitive pacing around his parents' house and reading the news. He surrendered in Oakland with his dad and his lawyer present. And then meanwhile, a nationwide manhunt was on for James and Fred. So after the kids escaped... Fred and James had driven out to their safe house in Reno. Then, using his phony passport, Fred had flown up to Vancouver, leaving James behind. Was just like, see a loser, I'm flying to Vancouver. James was like alone and terrified. He went to Cordelline, Idaho, because of its proximity to a border crossing. On the 18th, when he tried to get to Canada, 100 miles north, he was turned away by the Border Patrol because he was too nervous. <laughs> and his car was full of guns. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he was driving back to Ohio. James was too exhausted, so he drove to Spokane to sell his guns at a sporting goods store. Then he tried again to enter Canada 
at Cascade, he was refused, and this time because of Fred, because Fred had left two pistols in the center console and two rifles in the trunk. Like, is he still had guns in his car that he thought he got rid of. This is like dumb and dumber. Try to. Yeah. This is crazy. So then he finally headed home to turn himself in. But thanks to an uh, APB out on his license plate, he was pulled over in Atherton and he was arrested before he could even turn himself in. And then Fred got to Vancouver at 6 p.m. the Saturday after the children's escape and checked into the St. Francis Hotel on Seymour Street by the Fright Yards. He, Fright Yards, Freight Yards, (laughs) he paid in advance and asked the hotel manager if he could get some work. He seemed like a big dunce of a kid, the manager said. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) Uh, While at the hotel, he wrote a letter to his screenwriter friend, David, telling him that his crime would make a good movie of the week, if oh, not a feature. God. Oh, no. and he like downgraded it to movie of the week. He was like, well, let me, not, well let me do I'll movie of the week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he said, my ending is not exciting enough, so you might have to kill some people or something. And if you do make it into a film, all I want is a percentage of it. You make it up. I don't care how much, but be fair. Oh, my God. So, acting on an FBI tip, uh, the officers from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police staked out the Vancouver Post Office. They knew Fred had been sending letters under the name Richard Snyder. (laughs) This guy is such a dork. Oh, my God. (laughs) So then, Ed, Ed Ray and Children's Day was held. They had a whole day. There was a parade. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. And Ed rode a float to the fairground with all the kids who were like hugging him and like being like, yeah, Ed. What was that a fighter jet? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Maria's being dive bombed. Something about Children's Day, just the name of it sounds a little pervy. They should call it like the the Chow Chilla. Child Chilla bus kidnapping day. Well, that's a little, yeah, that's a <laughs> the little. kidnapping parade. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's a. So the kidnapping parade. We'll workshop yeah. it. We'll workshop it. <laughs> Listen, I'm not the writer. Fred is. Right. So there was a prayer and a country feast. Ooh. They ate lots Ooh. of beef. Oh, a country okay, this feast. sounds good. Yes, please. Yeah. There were marching bands and horses. Woohoo. And then Ed said, he, he he didn't really like to talk. He was very humble, very quiet, but he spoke. He said, more people turned out today than I thought there would be. I didn't know I had so many friends. Aww. I don't really feel like a hero, but for the past month, everybody has been telling me I am. What a sweetie. That's all he said. Aww. He was a superstar. Him and those kids were superstars. Yeah, they were. Yep. So then Fred, James, and Rick all went to the local jail to await their court date. Mm. And on July 25th, 1977, Fred Woods and the Schoenfeld brothers pleaded guilty on 27 counts of kidnapping for ransom without inflicting bodily injury. Mm. In exchange, the prosecution dropped the 18 counts of armed robbery against them for the five charges of kidnapping with bodily harm, uh, a crime that carried a mandatory sentence of life without parole, they pleaded not guilty 
Uh, so the trial began in Oakland in the fall. They were, of course, very easily convicted. <laughs> Everyone was like, yeah, yeah, you're guilty. And they were sent to prison. Good. And then Rick Schoenfeld was paroled from prison in June of 2012. What? So he spent 35 years in prison, which seems, wow. that seems fair for kidnapping, yeah. right? I guess. Uh, James Schoenfeld, his brother, was released in August of 2015. So he spent 38 years. But currently, Fred Woods, despite his like financial resources, he will remain an inmate in the California Men's Colony Prison in San Lu- Luis Obispo. And he's been denied parole more than 15 times. So Fred Woods is still in prison. Oh, he's being a bad boy. Yeah, he's like the mastermind behind. He's being a bad boy in prison. And then Ed, he went from private to reclusive in the aftermath. Too many people tried to exploit him get and tried to get him to sign different contracts for ghost-written books and to profit off of him. Oof. He was like, no, I don't want to do any of this. Like, he was just so upset at all of the people trying to, like, use him. And, like, he was not having that at all. So that was kind of a bummer. And then a song was written about this. Robert Goulet, who was one of the apparently one of the most popular and successful singers in the 60s, 70s, 80s. He starred in a musical theater. He played Sir Lancelot in the Broadway production of Camelot. He won a uh, Grammy, a Tony, and an Emmy. Doesn't get he wrote a song called The Ballad of Chow Chilla Ray. And I'm going yeah, to play, gonna that play thing. it. Run, and he found himself looking at a stranger's gun. And he said, Don't move, which is more than one. But he thought he'd never see it. This slaps. Is this that Rasputin vibe a little bit? They packed old dad, and the kids up tight, and with all of them screaming a terrible fright, they drove off into the coming night. I love Whoa. But old Andre kept his cool that day, and he did everything. It's like country disco. It's yeah, good. country it's really disco. Good. I love it. Yeah, very Rasputin vibes. Yeah, rah rah so, Rasputin. Rah rah Ed Ray. <laughs> uh, so there's a page on the Chowchilla website that's dedicated to Ed Ray. It says today the bus kidnapping event is still remembered with strong emotion. A granite monument dedicated to the victims is located adjacent to the Chowchilla Police Department to mark where the victims were reunited with their families. On February 26, 2015, Ed Ray's birthday, the city of Chowchilla officially renamed and dedicated the city's largest park and home to many youth activities, Edward Ed Ray as a Aww. lasting tribute to this local hero. Um, but Ed Ray passed away 
on Thursday, Mar- May 17th, 2012 mm. in Chowchilla. He was 91. Nice long life. And then in the weeks before his death, almost everybody who was buried in the van with him came to his bedside to say goodbye. Oh. All the kids came by. That's so Then his sweet. grandkids would come by the hospital and gave, they would give him a toy bus and kept it on his nightstand. Oh, my died. God. That is too cute. I wonder if that was traumatic or if he thought it was sweet. Yeah, I bet he thought it was kind of nice. Well, he's up in that golden school bus in the sky now. So this story made me remi- <laughs> reminded me of my school bus. Oh, no, Melissa. What story? happened to you? Oh, no. This isn't. <sighs> oh, no, Melissa. When I was, oh no, I think I was four, I was in preschool and I would take a bus there and the bus picked me up right in front of my house because I was like the only kid in the neighborhood and that was fine. My mom would walk me out to the bus. I'd get on it. I'd go to school and then the bus would, you know, drive us home after school and I remember one day oh, no. I was on the bus driving home and it was a substitute bus driver. Oh, God. And there were, it was like an elementary school. So there were kids who were like older than me. They were on the bus and they were joking about oh, no. one time they're like, yeah, we had a substitute bus driver and we told him to like go the, go the wrong route and like we got him lost and like took us forever to get home and we didn't know where we were going and and that terrified me so much i was like oh my god i don't want to be lost i don't want to be kidnapped i don't want i just want to get home i don't want anyone to like drive me to the wrong neighborhood and drop me off like that scared me so much just overhearing these kids say that when there was a substitute bus driver i would refuse to get on the bus i would like scream and cry like remember one time on the way home there's a different bus driver. And I was like, I'm not getting on the bus. I was screaming and crying. Remember the teacher was like, picked me up. And I was like, get on the bus. And I like had my hands on the doors. Oh, I was like, I'm not getting on the bus. Melissa. I'm not. I was screaming. It's like my dad had to come pick me up from school. Oh, that's heartbreaking. And I refused to get on the bus. You know, I never rode the bus after that. Like that was so traumatic for me that like, School buses for me, like I just, I hated, I hated them. I hated any sort of school bus ride. They gave me like such bad memories of that. I have wow. one, one semi-traumatic school bus story is Jeez. I was in maybe, God, seventh grade or eighth grade and the bus, uh, yeah, that must have been it. And I would always sleep on the bus ride home <gasps> and then wake up at my stop or like someone would Uh-oh. wake me up or whatever. And I think we had a substitute bus driver or the same thing. And so I fell asleep again and I woke up to this bus driver waking me up and I was back at school. And what? Yeah. So they hadn't noticed that I was on the bus. And so, because there was like two, but there was two bus shifts. Right. Like there was the early bus and then the late bus for the kids who did sports. So I had missed my stop, and then the bus had gone through all the stops and then driven back to school to do the second shift. And I had just slept through and ended up back at school. 
<laughs> and this was like before cell phones. So my mom was like, where is Allison? Like she had waited for me at the bus stop. Oh like not like God. no one had gotten off. I don't know why she didn't look on the bus, but I just like slept through the bus stop. <laughs> oh no, that would have been my nightmare. Yeah, it was pretty scary. But I Do you have a traumatic bus story, Maria? <laughs> I just remember going on a um, field trip and it was like right when my best friend's wedding came out and like trying to get everyone on the bus to sing uh, I Say a Little Prayer for You and no one would do it. And I like was really trying to get, yeah, I was like really trying to get it to happen. And people were like, we're just like, seriously, we're not into it. We're not into it. Classic Maria. (laughs) Well, if you guys have a traumatic bus story, uh, (laughs) Melissa, where can people reach us? You can email us at webcrawlerspod at gmail.com. Oh, really quickly, let's just remind people. Oh, yeah. Let's remind people that this Friday we are doing a live seance with John E.L. Tenney. And um, we will have more information for you guys. For you guys on the Discord and on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, so keep an eye out for that. But that's happening wow. this Friday. Yeah. I can't believe September 10th is this Friday. Like, where is time going? That's insane. I know. I'm so excited for that. That's going to be so fun. Uh, all right. I am Allie Siegel. Couldn't think of a cool name. I'm Melissa Stettin. And I'm producer Maria. Bye. Bye. Powered by ACAS. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.